Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Hello, welcome. This is the Athletic Football Tactics podcast. I'm your host, Ali Maxwell, and today we've got our starting three. Michael Cox, Mark Carey, Liam Tharm is back in the building after a couple of weeks away. All well, Liam? Yes, I'm good, thank you. You went to France? I did, had a great time. Went to the Velodrome, um, saw Brighton not lose despite a bad start. Uh, then went up north and watched Ham against Monaco, and that was a good game too. Is Brighton's European adventure everything that you'd hoped? Uh, well, I'd hope for a win, so not <laughs> not, not yet. But uh, they've got to play Ajax a couple of times and they are not doing very well. So, uh, yeah, it's a long way to go, I think. Well, it's good to have you back. Uh, we've had a, a good few weeks. I feel like we've really settled into our rhythm on the pod this season and, and it's joyous, really, to be able to uh, put together a sequence of podcasts talking about topical stuff like the return of the Champions League or previewing Arsenal against Manchester City, but then also things like our Ewing Theory uh, podcast, Life After Losing a Star Player from a couple of weeks ago, and of course, a deep dive into David Beckham's data last week. Uh, Something, again, whimsical, I'd say, this week uh, during international break. We, we, We all watched England the other night, and seemingly every England game at the moment is followed by a lot of thinking and smiling about Jude Bellingham. Uh, who's being described quite regularly now, Michael, as the player that can do everything. Yeah, it's big talk, isn't it? Especially for a player at his age. But yeah, it's not just his technical skill set. I think just his kind of adaptability and his his driven nature, his professionalism. I think he just gives off an air of you can put him in any situation and he can do what, what, whatever you want, really. I think that was something that was touted about him a while ago, wasn't it? With the shirt number being mm. uh, the, the number 22 where, you know, he was the, the 10 and the 8 and the 4. So to have that sort of preempted with you as a, as a very young player and then live up to it um, and being even more of a goal scorer now, I think is incredible. Is it only possible to be legitimately described as the sort of player that can do it all if you're a central midfield player and even more specifically a box-to-box type? Yeah, I think I think that is true. I mean... I think another good example in a different way, going back a few years, was Xavi Martinez when he was at Bayern Munich because he, he kind of went there as a holding midfielder. He often played more of a box-to-box role. There was a time against Dortmund when Guardiola basically used him as a centre-forward and at the same time Spain was sometimes using him as a centre-back. Yeah. So he was a rare player who I think played almost everywhere up the pitch, at least down the spine of the team. Bellingham, we haven't really seen him play a more defensive role, but we have seen him become almost a central attacker at times at Real Madrid. So, yeah, I think he fits well. And like you say, box-to-box midfield is probably the best fit. So on the pod today, taking the concept of a, a player that can do everything, uh, we thought it was time to build the perfect player. Uh, each of you have been tasked with doing so. And in sort of classic content fashion, we've broken down a footballer into 11 categories. Uh, you're able to select one player for each category and you can only use a player once. 
We're talking about current players here, not historical players. No one that doesn't play anymore, uh, but any current player is available to you for selection. Uh, there is going to be a mental aspect to it in terms of football IQ uh, and then physical and technical attributes. So I'm really looking forward to seeing the different approaches that you guys take. Uh, we're going to start with the brain of your perfect player. Liam, whose footballing brain do you want? Well, we've just been speaking about him, Jude Bellingham. Because wow. um, I think it's an underrated thing that people don't often see in really technically technically excellent players. And obviously, ironically, at his age, his brain's probably not yet fully formed. When when you watch him play, he's such a, a smart, consistently good decision maker. I think Dion Dublin said this on the UK commentary of like making the right decisions at the right time in the right part of the pitch. Um, and that's why he's able to, to do everything. You look at the... The volume of ground duels he wins, he won 7 out of 11 against Italy, uh, completed 31 of his 35 passes, he draws foul so well, and that's helped by him having long legs, sure, and being really technically good on the ball, but he's clearly very perceptive, he sees where his teammates are, he knows when to make the right runs in the right spaces, you see it for the the, the amazing run for the goal where he starts it with a slide tackle and ends it with a run beyond the defence to make space for Rashford to cut in and score, so he's such a smart player, uh, he's really, really intelligent. And so mature for his age, isn't he? So what they always say about Jude Bellingham and Bukayo Saka. But Michael, surely you need to have an older player here in terms of footballing brain. I, I think my pick might... He my... can't be the best brain in world football age 20, can he? Can he? Well, very my, big claim. My one's not that much older. And I think this might be a bit of a controversial pick because I feel like you're meant to pick a midfielder here. But I've gone for Erling Haaland um, because I think for all his strength and speed and his finishing ability... I don't think I've ever seen a striker who reads the game so well. Like the number of goals he gets that happens is absolutely incredible. And of course, that's partly because Manchester City are very good. But previous City strikers weren't doing it the way he does. And he did it at Dortmund as well. He did it wherever he's gone. And I don't think there's as many footballers as maybe five or six years ago that are central midfielders and they're all about their brain, all about reading the game. I feel like that area of the pitch has become a lot more physical, as I think we've discussed before. But, I mean, to be a, a centre-forward, you know, especially at a time when centre-forwards are kind of going out of fashion, particularly amongst, you know, Guardiola teams and the top teams, for him to just have such a big impact and to constantly find space in the box and get those chances, I just think he reads the game really, really well. I don't know how it would translate to other positions on the pitch, but I don't think that necessarily matters. I mean, both of those have shocked me to a certain extent. I, I, I have actually gone more for a, a midfielder who's also a, a forward and at times has been a left back. I've gone for Bernardo Silva Ooh. as my um, sort of highest football IQ. I just think in general, like his, his tactical understanding is one of the best in the game. I think he's trusted to be Pep Guardiola's kind of brains on the pitch a little bit, the way that he can not only sort of appreciate the tactical side of the game, but also execute it in such a way that he's he's able to, to dictate the game, dictate the, the tempo. Yeah, central midfield. Right winger for, for a lot of time, number 10 if he wants to, previously false nine. But I think it was the Aston Villa game and the Arsenal game where he he started off as a, a false left back and came inside <laughs> as well. And I was lucky enough to see it firsthand uh, this season against West Ham where in the first half he was playing in, in central midfield and they couldn't quite break down West Ham well enough. And then um, Pep Guardiola made a change and brought Bono Silva more to, to the right-hand side and sort of his, his runs and his movement just unlocked the defence. So... I've been lucky to see it firsthand. I just think that the way that he appreciates the game is um, is one of the best around and probably underrated, I'd say, as well. I've realised Manuel Akanji is probably the answer to this question, remembering how good his maths is. So he probably yeah. does have the, the highest IQ. <laughs> I, I like 
the justification for all of those. I think in particular, the Bernardo Silva, you know, <laughs> the the greatest compliment really is Pep Guardiola trusting you to play in all sorts of positions that aren't necessarily where you where you've played the, the majority of football or what might be considered your natural position. And uh, let's go for some physical attributes now. I'd like you to talk about speed, strength, and what we've broadly called fitness, but really as a kind of catch-all term for, I guess, stamina, that sort of thing. Um, let, let's have three each, Liam, so we can start really building a picture of each of your players. So for speed, uh, I think this might be one that we a few of us have, but I've gone for Kylian Mbappe. Um, I think a speed over different distances as well was important. Um, you can make those real driving runs. Um, the penalty went against Argentina and the World Cup a few years ago. Um, an excellent example of that. But also over short distances, I think he's got, you know, he can dribble almost quicker with the ball than most people can run. I've gone for maybe a slightly controversial one in terms of strength. Um, I've gone for Lautaro Martinez at Inter because I was thinking about sort of, I don't just want to pick someone that had a size advantage against other players, but someone that uses their strength well. And, you know, he's done it against uh, Tamori, against uh, Kier in, in, in the derby. Um, he's so good back to goal and he's not a big guy, but he uses his frame really smartly. Um, and he's not afraid of, you know, making contact and spinning people. And mm. it's been really key for Inter and in how they play so transitionally. And that's compared to sort of a, a Dzeko or a Marcus Turam, who are really big guys. And the third one um, is James Ward-Prowse in terms of fitness and, and stamina. And there's sort of, I think, three or four consecutive Premier League seasons where he's played almost sort of every game for, for Southampton, 150 out of 152 starts, um, always topping the charts of distance covered. I appreciate it's also a, a relate, uh, representation of what Southampton were like as a team. Um, but yeah, he's, he's incredible. There's a great story up on the site from a while back about how he's a massive consumer of omelettes and there's <laughs> loads of explanations <laughs> for this of why wow. he never gets injured. Um, but yeah, he just... I'd, I'd love to see what Could his 5K a time is. a thousand guesses as to what the final word of that was yeah. going to be. Consumer of as well, I quite like. A consumer of omelettes, James Ward-Prowse. He's been called a lot of things before. I'm not sure of that. Excellent. Uh, Mark, why don't we go to you next? I'm, I'm kind of hoping... Although I know that physical data isn't the easiest to come by, I was hoping that of all people you might have some access to it and that you might lean on it to give us a an objective answer to at least some of these. Oh, how well you know me. I've, I've literally put in my notes, I'm just going to be talking straight up facts here. <laughs> um, and for for speed, I have gone for... I was thinking about Mbappe, I was thinking about Victor Osimhen or Carl Walker, but I've gone for Alfonso Davis of, mm. of Bayern Munich. Um, Bundesliga on, on their website, they released their um, top speed data on their on their official website. And so far this season, no one's registered a faster top speed than Davis's 36 kilometers per hour. Uh, so he's, he's my one for speed. For strength, despite Liam actually making valid points in terms of it being kind of strength in the context of the, the person themselves, I have gone for a bit of a gimme here um, and gone for Virgil van Dijk. Um, I just think he has what I like to think of as kind of get off me energy of just the, the idea of anyone kind of coming near him. He's just got a straight arm and just keeps them at arm's distance. Um, he's got the best aerial win rate of any defender with 50 plus aerials in the Premier League since the start of last season. Mm. I know we'll probably come on to the aerial side of things, but on the floor and in the air, he's he's just so, so strong. So he's my strength. For fitness and stamina, I have gone for Bellingham actually and the reason i have is because you can think of it kind of within games he, he rarely uh, fails to to finish a game but if you think about it across the sh his short career so far he's played 80 percent plus of league minutes in the past two and a bit seasons and largely you know they've mainly been as a teenager and i looked at it in terms of 
comparing his, his number of minutes compared to sort of historically a, a Lampard or a Gerrard. And since he broke into the Birmingham City team, he's played 10,500 league minutes, having only just turned 20. And Lampard and Gerrard, for context at the same sort of age, is four to 6,000 minutes. Wow. So it shows just how much he is able to play. Will he be able to carry that on in the long term? Is he being overplayed is another story. But the fact that he is you know, available so much at such a young age is, um, is testament to his stamina. Michael, let's get physical. <laughs> uh, I went for Mbappe and for exactly the same reason as Liam, because he can do it in big spaces and short spaces. I think that's really crucial. Strength. I don't really care about strength. <laughs> it's the most boring thing mm. in a sport. That was Mbappe. the hardest one for what? me. Sorry, can you explain that? It's just further? not, I just don't find it's it not interesting strong in, in any way. Right. So I went for a damage already because he's difficult to get off the ball. But in an ideal world, I, if I was building my... I, perfect player I'd like to watch I'd go for someone with no strength at all because I think <laughs> they have all the other attributes it'd be much more interesting you could pick Messi for this category well he's... as a stance ag- against strength I think he is strong I think he's very strong though oh Messi, yeah that's true yeah. My, I, I, uh, I have a friend who works in advertising who met him the other day on a shoot and said he was very stocky much more, yeah. much stockier than he realised. Also said is he had very big ears, which is not something I've ever thought of. It's good uh, for his balance, no? Uh, yeah. yeah, excellent for balance. If you see cartoons of him, he's always depicted as having quite big ears, isn't he? Right. Is that um, the cartoon they know when they just? Well, exactly. Yeah, but yeah. they focus on one thing. They've gone for his ears, which I think is a bit harsh. Anyway, for uh, stamina, I've actually gone for someone already mentioned. I've gone for Bernardo Silva because every big game, he's just he's constantly pressing. You know, seventieth minute, eightieth minute, he's still. Really, really good at making those kind of runs that you need. And I didn't just want to go for someone who kind of plodded around reliably. I wanted someone who uses their energy in a beneficial way. And yeah, in the big games, I just think he's the ideal attacking player. So uh, yeah, I thought he was a good choice. Definitely notable to have Bernardo Silva already picked in two separate categories. One of them brain-related and one of them physical. Uh, really nice start for Bernardo Silva on this pod. I'm not sure he'll be picked by Liam, who's the only person that hasn't picked him so far, for aerial ability. That's where we're going next. Uh, there's different types of aerial ability as well, so I should see how you chop this one up. It could be attacking crosses, could be defending one six-yard box, and any number of aerial duels in between, Liam. He's just about counts for this one. It's not Bernardo Silva. Um, I've gone for Sergio Ramos. Again, he's not quite the biggest centre back, but I looked at uh, across his career as a 65.7% aerial win rate, which is mental. Um, you know, that's, that's high. Well, it's a mixture of mental, elements. physical, and actually some technical <laughs> elements as well. Should have said physical, yeah. Um, and he still had a 60% or above win rate in five of the last six seasons, which I think is good considering his age now. He's, he's an older defender and you think players tend to lose the physical side of things. I think it's summed up well. People will, of course, remember the Champions League final header and there's a three minute 24 uh, compilation on YouTube from Real Madrid entitled Legendary Ramos Headed Goals, which is just, for anyone to have a compilation that long of headed goals is is pretty cool. Um, and yeah, he scored in so many big games with, with big headers and obviously times his runs well also, you know, he arrives at the near post nicely, but um, yeah, just gets up really well. Really good vertical, uh, vertical leap. Well, you can kind of copy and paste a lot of what uh, Liam just said and replace Sergio Ramos with my player. My player's Pepe. Mm. Amazing. (laughs) Is he still playing? He's still playing. He's 40 years old. He's at Porto. Every time I see him, I think he's a better player now than he was 10 years ago. He's lost some of that dirtiness and aggression that got him into trouble quite a lot. And he's so dominant. His positioning is really, really good. 
And in the air, I mean, I saw a Portugal-France game maybe a year ago, 18 months ago, and his battles with Giroud were just fantastic. And I thought, I just watched it and thought, you can handle any striker in Europe. So, like I say, a lot of a lot of what Liam said for Ramos applies to his old teammate Pepe. I wasn't that keen on this one, so I thought I'd have a bit of fun with it. So I've gone for Union Berlin's Kevin Behrens. And the reason I have is because I think I've mentioned it on this podcast before. So since the 2021-22 season, he has taken 76 shots in the league for Union Berlin and 46 of them have been with his head, <laughs> which I just find hilarious. 60% of them have been with his head. And Union Berlin are quite a cross-heavy side. So I think this is more what you said, Ali, of it's more to do with his timing. It's more to do with his movement. He's not actually that tall. I think he's only about six foot but he gets on the end of so many crosses. So it's not to do with his physical capacity, um, but just how many headers he takes as a shot is uh, is what I thought would be a fun one. It's difficult to measure aerial ability, isn't it? I know that Statsbomb have been working on a yes. metric called hops, hops indeed, which yeah. they explained very well in a blog post a few months ago, uh, the sort of thing that I will probably never be able to have access to, but um, I wish them well. And if they wanted to reveal it publicly, that would be fine too, because um, I think, that there is great space for a better heading metric, so to speak. You're listening to the Athletic Football Tactics Podcast with Ali Maxwell. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, let's go to the technical side of the game now. Uh, there's, this is our most voluminous category. Left foot, right foot, passing, dribbling, shooting, finishing. Uh, let's take the footedness first, Liam. Well, left foot for me just has to be Lionel Messi. I don't think there's any two ways to cut that. No notes, Michael. Messi for me as well. I don't have Messi. Yes. Um, I have Antoine Griezmann. And I have Messi elsewhere. We'll come on to it. But I just think you look at his his technical quality in short spaces, um, you know, the way that you can play at the first time, the deafness of touch. You can also switch the play so, so well. Um, I looked into his, his assist rates recently as well. So since the start of last season, no La Liga player has more than his 16 assists. I just think, again, to speak about you know football IQ, similar to Bernardo Silva, I think he's he's certainly got that. We know about his ridiculous run in terms of the national team. I think it's 81 back-to-back games now. He hasn't missed a game since May 2016. So his importance to the national team, to his uh, domestic side as well, um, in a non-messy world, I've gone for Antoine Griezmann. I thought we might hear Alessandro Diamanti, but in fairness, he's uh, not playing anymore. Currently the manager for Melbourne City FC. I'd love to see how many long shots they take per game. Uh, that was a real Diamanti special. What about right foot, Liam? This one I struggle with and left it to the last of all the others because the right footed players that I wanted for other things, I put them for the specific categories that we'll get onto. Obviously, the difference for Messi was you could argue him in any of the shooting, finishing, dribbling, passing, etc. So I didn't want to waste him per se on just mm. one. Um so the the last one I could really think of that actually. that thank you. Um was was Rafael Liao of a, a right footer that I really like that I think if anything it's probably just got that as their main weapon that hasn't really got a left foot or the other areas that he's a decent, not the best dribbler, really good, but not quite maybe top two or three. Distant shooting is good. Penalty box finishing is good and not quite perfect, but he's got a really good right foot and in moments really comes alive and scores some outrageous goals or some outrageous dribbles, but not quite consistent enough to go in a different category. I went for Kevin De Bruyne. I just think he's the best deliverer of a ball into the box. We spoke a lot about David Beckham last week and how he basically just had a good right foot. He didn't have the all-round ability. I think De Bruyne does have the all-round ability, but take all that away and I still think you'd, you'd have the best crosser. So, yeah, De Bruyne for me. Better than Trent. So, I did consider him. Yeah, I mean... Can we set up an experiment? Maybe one of the major broadcasters could swing this where they have to play 100 passes, crosses, whatever it might be, some on the move, some stationary, you know, different setups with targets to aim at. I think that would be a like NFL Combine style. Uh, yes, yeah. PL Combine. That would be exciting, wouldn't it? Yeah. You've gone for KDB. Have you gone for Trent, Mark? Well, I feel like <laughs> this is like countdown where I have to show my workings because in my notes I've said, I've thought about Trent, but it's KDB for me for all the reasons that Michael said. Um, an extra stat to go with it is that I did it at the end of last season. He had a shot against Bournemouth last season that was registered at 85.8 miles an hour, wow. which was nearly 10 miles an hour more than the second fastest shot that season so he has got a foot like a traction engine <laughs> uh, and he's got the the skill to go with it as well yeah around 2.2 times quicker than alfonso davis's top speed <laughs> as per the bundesliga Correct. website uh, liam can you do passing and dribbling for me in, in one go i can try because uh, kdb is my passer like the other guys have said and if people want to read a great piece on it uh, ahmed walid obviously friend of the pod um 
did a really good piece on his 100 Premier League assists and breaking all these down. Just the sheer variety is uh, is incredible and all the different sort of City forwards that he's been assisting. Um, and in terms of the ball carrying, I didn't want to pick a winger because I felt like sort of the dribbling has, has changed for that now. It's become a lot more, I think, attacking on the outside because there's such a denial of space in central areas. And I thought... The best dribblers for me now are the ones that can do it in central areas and there's fewer of them. Um, and Jamal Musiala stood out to me for this reason because he can just do it with pressure coming from behind him, from, you know, beside him. With his back to goal, he can wriggle out. Um, I think of the game, uh, it was against Spain in the World Cup where I think he was, he was really good in sort of tight spaces and it's a different type of dribbling to sort of beating someone 1v1 for, for pace or, um, you know, trying to chop inside and, and go outside. But yeah, I really, really like him in that. And I think Madison is a similar style um, 10. So they're the dribblers I think I like at the moment. Yeah, I had the exact same logic. A lot of dribblers out wide depend on their speed, but we've already done the speed. So I wanted to take that out of the equation. Uh, and I went for Bellingham actually, because I think in the number 10 position, he's just so good at wriggling away from challenges and breaking through into goal scoring positions. But to be honest, Musiala is a really good pick. I, I overlooked him, but I think that's a better one than Bellingham for this specific category. And passing? And passing, I went for Tony Cruz. I think he can play any Lovely. kind of pass, cross-field balls. I thought of Thiago Alcantara because I think technically he is the best. But I just think in terms of end product, in terms of actually adding value, mm. I think Cruz is maybe slightly less... Efficiency over aesthetics? Yeah, he's, his passes are less kind of exquisite than Thiago's. But sometimes with Thiago, I do just want a bit more in terms mm. of, yeah value to the team and I think I wouldn't ever say that about Tony Gross. I feel like I'm going third in each of these so I always have to say that I thought of those ones too and I was I was considering that and for exactly I'd rather the same you reason. said that's a stupid pick. <laughs> well I haven't what gone for, thinking I haven't gone for the same but I was thinking along the same lines. And I think to your point Michael the, the reason I didn't go for Tiago was that He's got a great highlights reel. I, you could watch him on YouTube all day but as you say he doesn't always actually have that cutting edge pass per se but for passing and I probably regret it now to to put Lionel Messi in passing maybe rather than left foot but I have gone for Lionel Messi because we know that his dribbling side of the game has decreased because of aging essentially but his his passing his through balls are absolutely incredible some of his numbers during his time at PSG um, he, I think he had the the highest average uh, volume of successful through balls across those two seasons um, so he's he's my one for passing and for dribbling I have gone more for the the dribbly wingers I've gone based on the stats again I just thought it'd be a fun one and even this one isn't necessarily the best player but the best player right now is probably Jeremy Doku um, based on the numbers again I think I spoke about it on this podcast he had a rate um, of take-ons per 90 that was the best in the top five European leagues last season he's averaging uh, a take-on this season once every 10 minutes he's just high volume but he is also high uh, quality as well if you look at the success rate of those uh, take-ons last season he was right up there as well so it's not in the Adama Traore style of just running for the sake of it he's got end products as well so that's why I've gone for running for the sake of it he's a professional footballer it's his job <laughs> Traore though does not run for the sake of it i like that liam in his role as the youngster of the gang called it ball carrying at one point not just dribbling i mean i feel a bit tim sherwood saying back in our day we called that closing down <laughs> what's pressing ball striking as well he loves ball striking sherwood wouldn't like that would he it's a raw technique. It applies to everything, right? You do. You strike a ball, you kick a ball. Ball kicking, if you want to call it that, but it sounds weird. Well, I think there's an aspect to which the next category, shooting, with finishing following it, needs explaining. You know, I, I, shooting for me here is about, dare I say it, ball striking. Is, is about 
all those words that you just said. You know, I think long range shooting, being a threat from, let's say, broadly 15 yards and further is very different to the next category, which is finishing, uh, which is, is probably has more of a mental aspect to it, which I hope you guys would have considered. So uh, shooting and finishing, they're going together. Liam, who's scoring the goals either from range and also inside the penalty box? I would say both of them will let you guess, but it'll be very clear very quickly who's doing which one. So uh, from long range, I've gone for Fede Valverde. Um, I did write down in my notes uh, Son, Shurmeni uh, and Shobazla as well. Um, but I remember, I think it was at the start of last season where Valverde just had this real purple patch of just consistently just smashing in goals from outside the box. Mm. Um, and I, I watched a, a, a 50 long shot compilation of him of his last 50 and uh, his technique and all of them, he just... He doesn't even have the variety that some of the other players do, like a, a Shobazla or a Son. There's there's no real effort to try and curl it at all or place it. Every time I'm putting my foot through this as hard as I possibly can. Um, I just, I've thought there's something quite beautiful about that, to be honest. Just someone, you know, it feels, I can relate to that. of The ball just falling and go, I'm, I'm going to hit this as hard as I can. Um, and yeah, had a real good period of scoring goals. Not quite the top um, in terms of the stats, but um, when he does score goals and that one against Napoli recently where I know it's an own goal, but he's hit it so hard that it's come off the crossbar, hit the keeper and still gone in is quite amazing. So he was my long shot choice uh, and Harry Kane was my penalty box finisher. Um, there's a piece mark and I wrote on him actually as a, as a finisher and the evolution that he had um, at Tottenham and starting out was a real penalty box number nine and finishing as one. Um, you know, the fact that he scored so many left foot, right foot goals, then set a Premier League headed goals record, which we've touched on numerous times. 92 penalty box goals since the start of 2018, 2019. is second to only Salah in that time, but with 150 fewer shots than Salah and Kane's over his penalty box XG by over 13. So pretty clinical, I think. Yeah, fair enough. I went for Son for inside the box because... Son for finishing. Yeah, mm -hmm. finishing because I kind of discounted aerial finishing. I don't know. Finishing to me doesn't mean with the head. I know that's controversial, but we'd already dealt with the aerial. Got to finish the chances kind of whichever dominance. way they come to. And the thing I like about Son is, well, the two things that I, I think makes him a really good finisher. He's obviously equal with either foot. Maybe you can say that doesn't matter because we've already chosen which feet we want, but... I think it just makes him more adaptable. Um, this, the whole concept of the game is being yeah, picked apart here. It really is. <laughs> and the other thing is, I think the most important thing for a good finisher is calmness. And he's very calm. He knows exactly how much time he's got. He doesn't rush his shots. I know last year was a bit of a, a bad one, a bad season for him, but he's been excellent so far this season. For outside the box, I initially thought about like someone spectacular like Valverde. But actually, I ended up going for someone completely different. That's Martin Odegaard. Oh. Because I think he's just got such precision from like just outside the box, 20, 25 yards, that I think over the course of, let's say, 100 games, I think probably brings you more goals than someone who can just smash it from 30 yards repeatedly. So again, like the word finishing kind of swayed me there. I feel like I wouldn't call what Valverde does finishing. Whereas walloping. Yeah, <laughs> whereas what Erdegaard does is just very precise. It's very neat, very purpose. Scientific, yeah. So, yeah, I've gone for Erdegaard. Shoot me and finish us off, Mark. <laughs> well, I've also gone for Valverde. I thought I'd be the only one to, to go for Valverde for the long range. But to exactly the same points as Liam, um, I think that's definitely the case. He has five goals from outside the box since the start of last season, which is more than anyone else in La Liga. 
Um, and it also reminded me of the time that he doesn't always get them on target. I think it was the Raya Vallecano game where there's a, a flat complex behind the, mm. the stand and it went into someone's balcony. <laughs> so it shows that he's not always accurate, but when he hits them, they, they stay hit. So for all the reasons Liam said, I've gone for Valverde uh, and for finishing, penalty box finishing, I have gone for Erling Haaland. 95% of his shots have been inside the box since the start of last season. So when I'm thinking about the penalty box, that's obviously going to skew it. Um, you know, to Michael's point before about the intelligence of, of his movement, of knowing where to go, um, his seam runs outside the box to even get into space and pulling off into the back post is so, so intelligent. Um, he has missed the most big chances already this season of any other player. So he's not as clinical this season, but he's always getting in the right positions. Um, for a quick pop quiz there's only one player to take 100% of his shots from inside the penalty area since the start of last season in the Premier League maybe not the most obvious player but could you name them yeah hang on let me think of his name <laughs> uh... I can't stop thinking of the Office US clip of you miss 100% of the shots you don't take <laughs> there you go. Wayne Gretzky Michael Scott <laughs> what's that the Welsh lad at Bournemouth Oh, Kiefer Moore. Moore. It's not. It's the same profile of player. It's Chris Wood at Newcastle and Forest, obviously, last season, going back to last season. But um, no, penalty box uh, striker for me, Erling Haaland. Not Chris Wood. Well, it's been quite fun to get inside the minds of these three and hear them build their dream football player from the 11 categories. I love the fact that we've got three Leo Messi's one Kevin Behrens, <laughs> plus a Pepe and a Sergio Ramos in there as well. And loads of young talent, Bellingham, Haaland, Musiala, all good enough at one thing already to be considered by these guys the best in the world. Uh, thank you very much for listening to this podcast. We'll be back again next week. And Lord knows we'll have plenty of football to talk about as the Premier League returns this weekend. Everton against Liverpool, Chelsea against Arsenal on the docket and plenty more as well. Uh, so make sure you join us and that you subscribe to The Athletic today. Head to theathletic.com forward slash tactics to sign up with a discounted annual subscription. Thanks for listening. Go well. The Athletic. <laughs>